chapter 23 as we end the book of Chronicles tonight. That's right, seven chapters. Put your safety belts on. Crash helmets on. We're doing it. Maybe. <laughs> Lord willing, that's the plan. First Chronicles chapter 23. Again, continuing in the life of King David. So when David was old and full of days, he made his son Solomon king over all Israel. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you again for your word and those here tonight and, Father, those serving in youth ministry and children's ministry. And, Lord, we just ask for a blessing, Lord, for wisdom and knowledge. And, Lord, we pray for our nation. We pray for our leaders, and we pray that this nation would be a pro-life nation. Lord, it would be a pro-freedom and pro-religion as it once was. We didn't have these many problems like we had before. And so, Lord, that the church would rise up and its voice would be heard, that we stand for life. And so, Lord, thank you for the opportunity to live in the time in which we are living. And, Lord, that you would bless us now through the life of King David. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is tonight where we're ending uh, King David, his life, his reign. And he has been getting these things ready for his son Solomon. Remember, God told him that he could not build the temple that Solomon was going to build the temple. So from this point on, David is around 70 years old. He is, did you see what it said? I love how the Bible says he was old and full of days, which means dude's about to die, right? At some point very soon, he has lived this life and now he is passing it on to verse 1 to his son Solomon, but the rest of these seven chapters, if you could title it, it is the order of God. We will read that God specifically gave King David the plans and the ordering of the priests, the Levites, the musicians, the military, the administrative guys, the financial guys, everything is in this section of Scripture, as you know, we won't be heading into too many names, but we will look at the highlights of most of this, and then we'll kind of end with the last two chapters where David is putting his blessing upon the nation, very powerful for us to look at. And so verse 1, David was full of, uh, he was, oh, he was old, he was full of days, and he made his son Solomon king over Israel, and so that's the preface for the next seven chapters that he has made Solomon king over Israel. And so he gathered together all the leaders, how much are all? All the leaders of Israel with the priests and the Levites. Now the Levites were numbered from the age 30 and above. They were numbered from 30 and above because at that point, that's when your ministry as a priest, well, it, you really began temple ministry at that point. You would do a little apprentice before then, but at 30, and anybody know when Jesus started his ministry? I gave you the answer. <laughs> Remember, this is Calvary. This, we're not, there's no trick, trick question. So he began his ministry at 30 as well. 
And it tells us the number of the individual males was 38,000. And of those, 24,000 were to look after the work of the house of the Lord, and 6,000 were officers and judges, 4,000 were gatekeepers, and 4,000 praised the Lord with musical instruments, which I made, said David, for giving of praise. And so David separated all them into the divisions of the sons of Levi, Gershon, Kohath, and Merai. And these are going to be the guys that do the work of the temple. It is not just the gatekeepers. By the way, the gatekeepers were distributing to the poor and the needy. Uh, We were reading in our devotion uh, in Deuteronomy how that was important. Every third year, you brought in a special tie to the gate to where they stored that food for the poor and the needy and for the widows. And so David has all of these men ready to go so that they will perform their duties when he dies and Solomon builds the temple. No. It says that the sons of Aram... Aaron and Moses, verse 13, and Aaron was set apart, he and his sons forever, that he should sanctify the most holy things, to burn incense before the Lord, and to minister him, and to give the blessing in his name forever. And so now the sons of Moses, the man of God, was reckoned to the tribe of Levi. And so Uh, As Moses received all of this, God had made him uh, the bearer of the law and that Aaron, his brother, was the first high priest. Then all of that came out of that family. Verse 24, now these were the sons of Levi by their father's house, the heads of their father's house, as they were counted, notice, individually, by the number of their names who did the work for the service of the house of the Lord from the age 20 years and above. And so David said, the Lord God of Israel has given rest to his people and that they may dwell in Jerusalem forever. We talked about this last week, how he had bought that temple mount. Remember that? That it is in the hands of the Jewish nation and it is still theirs today, no matter what the United Nation says. Notice it says in verse 28, Because of their duty was to help the sons of Aaron in the service of the house of the Lord, in the courts and in the chambers, and purifying the holy things and the work of the service of the house of God. So these guys could start work early in their apprenticeship and then later on become priests. But there is so much going on into the temple. Not only the sacrifices, but the wood. There is salt in there. There's all kinds of things that are going on. I know it may not look it, but when you come into Calvary Chapel, Murder Beach, everything is nice. There are mints. I have found that the mints are very important, and when there's no mints, childs tend to freak out. Well, so too with coffee. There's no coffee. Isn't it nice you come in, there's toilet paper, there's things, it's all done. A lot of people, guys, you may not know this, there is a lot of work that goes on into having people come every week on Sunday and Wednesday. We have things break 
constantly. We had an air unit go out on Sunday. It just, things break. And just like inside of the temple, God had set forth these men to fix those things. Inside of the church, we have something called a deacon. Their role is to take care of those uh, building issues like the gatekeeper to distribute uh, benevolence. And then you have the elders and the pastors who do the spiritual work inside of the church. And so it's all the same thing that happened back then in the temple. Notice what they were doing, both, both verse 29, with the showbread and the fine flour and the grain offering, with its unleavened cakes, which is baked in a pan, with which is mixed with all kinds of measures and sizes, to stand every morning to thank and praise the Lord, and likewise at evening. And at the presentation of the burnt offering to the Lord, on the Sabbath and on the new moons, and on the set feast by the number according to the ordinance governing them regularly before the Lord, and that they should attend to the needs of the tabernacle of meeting and the needs of the holy place and the needs of the sons of Aaron and their brethren in the work of the house of the Lord. There is always, again, a need for those to come alongside and help those who are doing that work, specifically here, the Levites. And now, 24, chapter 24, he gets into the priest. Now, these are the divisions of the sons of Aaron. The sons of Aaron were Nahab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar, but we learned in the beginning there that Nahab and Abihu had died before their father and had no children. Therefore, Eleazar and Ithamar ministered as priests. They had brought strange fire to the altar and God struck them down because they brought strange fire unto the Lord. And so then David with Zadok and the sons of Eleazar and Ahimelech and the sons of Ithamar divided them according to their, please note with me, schedule of service. We're going to see the military is divided into 12 months. It's, it is a waste you put in your time and it was, there was so many people to be able to do these tasks that there was a great rotation. Guys, we try to do that here at Calvary Chapel, Myrtle Beach. We try to get the teachers into a rotation. We try to get the, the cleaning crew into a rotation. It is just smart not to work people every single week so that they would have an opportunity to come and be an adult and sit in the sanctuary. Amen? So when you... When you hear of those needs, we encourage you to sign up for that because there is somebody who needs a break and it is biblical and godly that they would be able to get a break. And so it lists out now uh, the groups that have their duty. And in verse 9, it says, This was the schedule of the service for the coming into the house of the Lord according to their ordinance, by the hand of Aaron, their father, as the Lord God of Israel had commanded. And then we, we're just jumping through all of the, the remaining priests and Levites. And these, notice verse 31, they cast lots as to their brothers and their sons of Aaron did in the presence of the king, King David, Zadok, Amalek and the, he the heads of the father's houses of the priests and the Levites, the chief fathers did as their younger brethren 
as well. Chapter 25, now we get into the guitar players. They got their own section. Moreover, David and the captain of the army. Now, this is quite interesting to me. The way that this chapter starts is that the military is involved in the worship in the house of God. It doesn't say why. It just says that. It says the captains of the army separated for the service some of the sons of Asaph, and there he is, He-Man, and Jethuthun, that they should prophesy with harps, stringed instruments, cymbals, and the number of the skilled men performing their service was. And then we're going to read through these guys in a minute here. But note with me the role of, as we will see, the worship leader or those who are performing uh, and helping bring people into the presence of the Lord. Notice that they should prophesy, and that simply means to proclaim God's word. So in the worship song, it should not be about us. It should be about the Lord and what he has done. And so notice with me the number of the skilled men performing their service. Verse 6, now all of these were under the direction of their father for the music of the house of the Lord with cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps for the service of the house of God, for Asaph, Jethuthun, and Heman were under the authority of the who? You need to hear this. So the king directed the worship. He was ultimately over that. The senior pastor needs to be over the worship leader. He is not a co-equal. These are some of the problems that have happened in churches and even happened inside of our own church in long time past that you have to have somebody that is a subordinate to that. And if the king were to say, hey, I don't like that song because of those words. There's, there's a song that's out right now and <laughs> my kids were talking about it. And the song is, I'm gonna tell you about it and then I'll tell you the problem I have with it. Are you ready? You got a long list. There's a song called Reckless Love. Now, the melody of the song is probably one of the finest I've ever heard. The song itself is wonderful. 99.9% of the song is great, except when it describes reckless love of God. Now, God's love is not reckless at all. Stupid. And I say that with love. So, what a pastor would be able to do is to a worship leader go, what are you doing? The, the song is wonderful. In fact, it blows me away. Can we just check that word and change that word? And yet, and I'm not even going to get into the church that it came out of, why is that where the worship becomes the dominant thing and not the subordinate thing? And God's word is very, very clear when it comes to worship. It is to bring us into the presence of God, but it does not overpower the word of God or the teaching of God. And if a worship leader cannot be subordinate to and listen to the pastor and say, you know what, I don't like that, change that. It's not a big deal to change a word or a verse or a line, is it? 
But those creative people, and listen, I'm talking to you creative people, you musicians. I've been dealing with you for 25 years. <laughs> it's been my, my uh, tent making was in lighting and sound. And uh, I've been dealing with them for a long time. And they love to be so creative and hardline. And it's like, look, look at what King David, he said, if, if I don't like that song, we ain't playing that song. Everybody got that? We don't like that song in the way that the words are. We're not going to play that song. And so it was important for them, notice this verse 6, under the authority of the king. The musicians were under the authority of, for our purposes, the senior pastor and leadership. Now, the number of them... With their brethren, and listen, we love the musicians and how creative you are. You just have to have guidelines. That's all. Everybody got that? You can't just be like, oh, I'm, uh, I won't even get into how musicians are. But if you are one, you know who you are, and I'm talking to you. And now the number of those and their brethren were instructed in the songs of the Lord. Notice they were all skilled. The gift of music to which I do not have, <laughs> and aren't you glad? Because uh, we want to have people come back. Uh, Matt and I are in the same boat, and not a lick, so we're not going to ever up here do a dueling anything, ever. But there is a skill to it, and it is a gift from God to use it for the body of Christ, for the edification of, of the body. And I love how it says here that they were skilled, and there was 200 and 88 of them. And they cast lots for their duties as, as the small as well as the great, the teacher with the student. Do, do you see that inside of the musicians, there were the teachers and students and different levels, and they were all doing it together, helping one another to have an ultimate goal of not showing who they are, not how great they are, but how great God is. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Unfortunately, sorry, sometimes worship becomes all about the worship guy, the guitar, the lights, the performance. And here's what's dangerous about music. Because the devil was the first worship leader. And so music is a very dangerous thing. Because people, like I just said with that one song, that melody can be so good and so powerful that you forget that word is wrong and you just continue to sing it. There's also a song uh, uh, that he has not failed me yet. That's part of the line. God's never failed anybody and he will never fail you yet. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't fail. We fail. Like, all you got to do is change that. And here's my point to all these musicians. Why don't you have a covering over you so that you can bring your song to the pastor and say, what do you think doctrinally? We'd have a lot less problem with worship music if we just had a pastor go, let me rephrase that because we live in 2020. Somebody that knows their Bible can look at it and go, yeah, that's doctrinally not a good word. Let's just change that word to radical love. Or I don't know, there's a th thesaurus out there, if I could say it. 
Let's try to use that. Next chapter. (laughs) Didn't want to spend that much time on the worship leaders. Gatekeepers, very important. Why? These These are the deacons in the New Testament. Now, concerning the divisions of the gatekeepers, the Kohathites, and, and the rest of the <laughs> these guys, notice in verse 8, it says, These were the sons of Obed-Edom, and their sons and their brethren, able men with strength for the work, 62 of Obed-Edom. The Ark of the Covenant was stained with Obed-Edom for a while. So I love the fact that he doesn't come out and go, I had the ark in my house. I'm not working in the gatekeeper and handing out food. That's beneath me. I had the ark. Doesn't see, doesn't happen, does it? Knows their place and know that they need people in that role. Verse 12, among these were divisions of the gatekeepers, among the chief men having duties just like their brethren to serve in the house of the Lord. And they cast lots for each gate the small as well as the great according to their father's house. And so then it tells us which house had that gate and the divisions of that. Verse 29, nope, 20. Of the Levites, Ahijah was over the treasury of the house of the Lord and over the treasuries of the dedicated things. So now we're getting into the administrative side of things. Good that the pastors aren't dealing with the money, that the deacons, uh, for us in the New Testament, they deal with the finances, so these would be deacons as well. Not worship leaders, not pastors, not the elders. It is the deacons who are helping distribute this. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not spiritual oversight, which there is, but these are the treasuries for the house of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Verse 26, this Shelemith and his brethren were over the treasuries and the dedicated things which King David, and we're going to get to in a minute, the amount of resources that they have is amazing, and the heads of their houses and the captains over the thousands and over the hundreds and the captains over their army, all the things that were dedicated And some of the spoil which was won in the battles, they dedicated to maintain the house of the Lord. What I find interesting through the life of King David is he did not have any taxes on the people. Why? Because they had won so many battles and had taken so much plunder, they did not need to, as we will read in a minute, the tons of gold and silver that are in the treasuries. He didn't need to tax the people. It was taken care of. Now, later on, uh, the uh, other kings will do that. And so, um, verse 32, the end of this chapter, and so uh, his brethren were 2,700 able men, heads of their father's house. That's a lot of administrators, by the way. That's a little too much pork there. Let's take that out. Whom King David had made officials of the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, for every matter pertaining to God and to the affairs of the king. Just remember that that group of um, the, let's read it again. The half-tribe of Manasseh, the Gadites, and the Reubenites were on the other side of the Jordan. So they needed some administrators on that side as well to help them and take care of them. All right, hoorah, chapter 27, military. 
Now the children of Israel, according to their numbers and the heads of their fathers' houses, the captains of thousands and hundreds and their officers served the king in every matter of the military divisions. And these divisions came in and went out month by month throughout all the months of the year, each division having 24,000 men. I love this. So they have this huge standing army, but what do they say? All you got to work is one month. Unless there's a battle, then you go out. So every group had 24th protector, and we know that he was. And so as these men, uh, here's the other thing. Remember those uh, mighty men of David that we talked about a couple of weeks ago? Each one of those mighty men were over one of these 24,000. So you had Joab and Benaniah, these guys that were amazing warriors. So you had a, a um, mighty men of David that was over one of these uh, 12 divisions of 24,000. And in verse 16, it says, Furthermore, over the tribes of Israel, these were the officers of the Reubenites. And then it goes through all of the divisions of not only the military, but uh, and then through all of the tribes. And I want to jump down to verse 32 now. And Jehoathan, David's uncle, was a counselor and a wise man, a scribe, and jail heal this oh all right it's david's uncle everybody got that he was his counselor please note with me and a wise man and a scribe this guy was three different things three different roles inside of the government but he was first a counselor to david then he was a wise man and and then a scribe so david had men around him that he could count on for good, godly advice. And so now we come to chapter 28 and 29, David's final address to Israel, and this is where we'll spend the rest of our time. Now, David assembled at Jerusalem all the elders and the officials and the tribes of all the captains and the divisions who served the king, the captains over thousands, the captains over hundreds, and the stewards over all the substance and the possessions of the king and of his sons, with the officials and the valiant men, with all the mighty men, valor. Now remember, we started this tonight when David was old and full of age, remember? Verse 2 says, now David rose to his feet. I would imagine that was something for him to do. He said, hear me, my brethren and my people. I had it in my heart to build the house for the rest of the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God, and he made preparations to build it. But God said to me, you shall not build a house for my name because you have been a man of war and have shed blood. So David is rehearsing what God had told him years ago. However, the Lord God of Israel chose me above all the house of my father, to be king over Israel forever. He also chose Judah to be the ruler. And in the house of Judah, and the house of my father, and among the sons of my father, he was pleased with me to make me king over all of Israel. And of all my sons, for the Lord has given me many, he said. 
He has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. Excuse me. Now he said to me, It's your son Solomon who will build my house, my courts, and I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever if he is steadfast to observe my commandments and my judgments as it is this day. So it is always predicated on somebody following the rules in the Old Testament that's different in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament, God is simply saying, listen, if your son does what he is told, it will go well with him. Uh, I don't want to blow the historical account of Solomon, but does he? Absolutely not. And then he goes down further, and he takes the nation of Israel down. And Solomon is a great example of what happens when a politician has a moral bankruptcy in his life. And when he does not hold anymore to to truth and to the principles of God's word. The reason why we have what we have today is because we have leaders that have no moral compass at all. They believe in evolution. They don't believe in the Bible. They don't believe in uh, religion. They call it dogma up there in the Senate Judiciary Committee. They don't like truth. They don't like facts either. It's kind of amazing. Have you been watching it? That'll put you to sleep each night. It's 9 o'clock, put it on YouTube, watch the confirmation hearings. Listen, what do you see out of that? You see hostility and no joy out of people who don't have a moral compass. Don't you see that? It's like real easy to see people who don't follow the Lord. There's no joy. There's no excitement. Yeah, heaven forbid we be pro-life in this nation, right? Well, Solomon, he said, is going to be God's son, no longer David's son. Did you see that? The transformation between David and the father. He said, listen, if he observes it, it'll go well with him. Verse 8, therefore, in the sight of all Israel, in the assembly of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, be careful to seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God, that you may possess this good land, and leave it as an inheritance for your children after you forever. Now listen, I don't want to get into some political thing right now, but I'm going to. Notice what David says. He says that you may possess this good land. Now, you and I could debate this later on, but I believe that God established not only the nation of Israel, but the United States of America for the purposes, for His purposes, to be a witness and a light in this world. And so what are we doing? Are we giving, notice the end of this, are we providing for our children a good land and leave it as an inheritance for them? Or are we just mucking it up? With taxes, I don't even, Matt, where are we at? Like $70 trillion. I mean, it doesn't even matter anymore. Now, we're so far in the hole, we can never come out of it financially and be solvent as we used to be before they took us off the gold standard. And the next time Matt teaches, I'll have him go on, on the gold standard. Um, what are we doing for our children as a nation? This is a good land. 
God gave us this land full of resources to use them, to be good stewards of them, but to use them. What are we doing so that this is a good land and inheritance for our children? David knew that, and he charged that not only to Solomon, but to the leaders of Israel. We'll see that in a minute. He says, listen, as for you, my son Solomon, know that God... I'm sorry, know the God of your fathers and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord seats all the hearts and understands all the intents and thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Now, this is a wonderful verse to highlight. Notice with me that David says first to him, to know the God. That is an experiential knowledge of God. That is not coming to church and then getting a gold star that I showed up at church. Uh, listen, I did that plenty growing up, and I did that <laughs> uh, when I went to school. I didn't learn anything. Amen? Am I the only one? I just showed up because I really didn't care. I just wasn't that kind of learner. I wasn't. I was very more hands-on. I loved metal shop. I, I loved wood shop. I can't believe they allowed us to have a, a flash burn furnace in ninth grade. You get a bunch of ninth grade kids in a metal shop with a blast furnace. That's awesome. <laughs> we were pouring the, the metal in there and we were doing our casting and I made, made, I don't even know, I wonder if my dad still has, I made this Chevrolet casting. And I remember, you, you know, you're taking molten metal, you're a ninth grader. And how many of you do remember your shop teacher who was missing a couple of fingers and not so bright anyway? But let's have the kids have the blast furnace on. He was never watching us. There was always kind of like an older teen that kind of knew what was going on. And here we are pouring hot molten right into this cast. And it was the coolest thing. I could care less about marine biology. That's not the learner I was. You have to know God by experience. People come into church with that same kind of heart. They don't want to know God. They've been dragged by a family member. So that on Sunday, look, you come to church, we'll go to Bob Evans and we'll get pie. Great. Pie. Come to, come to Thanksgiving potluck. We see it every year. Do you know that? Every year we see people on Thanksgiving, on Easter, and Christmas every year. And God says we need to have an experiential knowledge of him. In the New Testament's gnosko, to know by experience. I know what God has done. I know what he's done in my life. Therefore, I can communicate it to somebody else. If you come to church and you don't care, how can you help your coworker that is in a mess in their life in the cubicle next to you? How can you help them if you just come and you get a gold star? You can't, because you don't know God by experience. He's not real to you. King David 
says, know the God of your father. Notice with me, serve him. It's not what God can do for you, but what we can do to serve the king. Serve him. Notice, with a loyal heart, that's not a divided heart. Jesus said you can't serve two masters last week. With a willing mind. I want to come to church midweek service. I'm a weirdo. Right? You know, I'm looking around. You willingly said, you know what? It's midweek. We're going to church. Willing. Those of you at home, we'll talk to you later. You in your pajamas there. With a loyal heart, with a willing mind. Guys, when you come Sunday and Wednesday and you sit down, and I, I know I say this all the time, it, it, you got to pay attention, you got to focus. Our minds, who, who else can squirrel in a second? You know what that means? Like, you saw some bug over there, you're like, oh, that's a wonderful bug. What is he talking about? I, I am so distracted easily right? You have to focus when you come to church. You have to put those distractions away. Lord, I want to hear from you. I want a willing mind. Why? Because the Lord searches all our hearts and understands all the intents of our thoughts. He knows that you're sitting here, and I know we're joking about this, only because of pie. He knows that. So why would he speak to you if you don't care about being here? I didn't get anything out of service because you didn't want to. I oftentimes will hear that from people. I didn't get anything out of it. Well, that's your fault, not my fault. The word of God doesn't return void. You choose to have a willing mind and a heart that wants to seek him. Notice, if you seek him, What's the promise here? He'll be found by you. But if you forsake him, he'll cast you off forever. Now consider, (laughs) for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. And he says, be strong and do it. Why? David's going to have everything lined up. He is literally going to have the giant Ikea set ready. He knows that and he says, listen, be strong. But do it. Do the work. Then David gave his son Solomon the plans for the vestibule, its houses, its treasuries, its upper chambers, its inner chambers, and the place of the mercy seat. And all the plans for all that he had was by the spirit of the courts of the house of the Lord and all the chambers all around, the treasuries of the house of the Lord, and the treasuries of For the dedicated things, and also for the divisions of the priests and the Levites, for all their work and their service of the house of the Lord, for all their articles of the service in the house of the Lord. And he gave gold by weight for the things of gold, for the articles used in every kind of service, also silver for the articles of silver by weight for the articles used in every kind of service. Notice, he gave the weight for the lampstands of gold. This is God giving David all of these plans. We're not told how. Was it just in his mind? 
and David writes it all out. This is what the lampstand should weigh by gold. Also the table of showbread for each table, the silver for the tables of silver, also pure gold, forks, the basins, the pitchers of pure gold, the golden bowls, and he gave gold by weight for every bowl, every silver bowl, and every silver by weight of every bowl. And refined gold for the altar of incense and for the construction of the chariot, that is the gold cherubim that spread its wings and overshadowed the ark of the covenant of the Lord. All this, said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me all the works of these plans. And so David said to Solomon, be strong and be of good courage and do it. Do not fear, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God, my God, will be with you. And he will not leave you nor forsake you until you have finished all the work of the service of the house of the Lord. I like to, we're going to get into the next chapter. We have a little bit of time here. I want you to note that verse for your life. And it is this. Let me read it again. He will not leave you nor forsake you until you finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. You and I are indestructible until we are done with the things that God has called us to do on planet Earth. And again, I I apologize that I always have to say this. You can't just be dumb and say, I walk into a bus and Pastor Ron said I'm indestructible. Then you will go to heaven and we'll see you in that little rubber room. That's the dumb room. They walked in front of the bus. I like verses like this. It allows me to get on an airplane and go anywhere in the world. And I'm telling you, some of the places I've gone, i be like, why are we, what? <laughs> I, I remember we're walking down some street in India. There's an open sewer. And if you've never seen an open sewer, Woo! <laughs> and um, my wife's in the room, so I won't say a whole lot, but it, there's some, been some sketchy places where we have been. But I know that the Lord will take care of us because my work for the service of the house of the Lord isn't done until he says it's done, be it in Myrtle Beach or in Nepal or Haiti or where, in Israel. That's why don't ever be afraid to get on an airplane for the Lord, be it to go to Israel on a trip with us or wherever the Lord would have for you. And even the upstate in Spartanburg County at Arrowwood, that's sketchy. Here are the divisions of the priests and the Levites for the service of the house of God. And every willing craftsman, by the way, the craftsman and the workmanship is God blessed as well? They have been given the talent. You ever see a woodworker? Like, and he can do it like, boom, and you're like, how in the world did he do that? Or a metal worker or air conditioning or an electrician, and you can't figure out, I'm an electrician by trade. It's real easy for me to jump in, take a look, be all done real quick, and people are, what did you just do? Well, God gave me the ability to do that. 
So to hear for all the manners of workmanship of every kind of service, also the leaders and all the people will be completely at Solomon, your command. Last chapter, chapter 29. I told you, but we're not done yet. Moreover, King David said to the assembly, now that was the leaders. Now he's got the whole group together. He said, my son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. And the work is great because the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. Jesus had a little bit of a problem, didn't he, when he went into the temple. You've made my father's house a den of thieves, but it is a house of prayer for all nations. Jesus did that twice. My favorite video of all time, I think, is going to see Jesus making a, a whip and then whipping those guys out of the temple. Be like, woo Note with me, it's not for man. When we gather together, please listen to this in 2020. It's not about you. It's about God. Therefore, and I say this in such a loving way, the weird and dumb things that people complain about in church has nothing to do with you. It's for the Lord. It's for us to gather together. Listen, if we've got seats and air conditioning and cements apparently for the kids and coffee, good. We often forget that the temple or the church is not for man, but for the Lord God. It is for us to proclaim his greatness. Now for the house of my God, I have prepared with all of my might gold for the things that are made of gold, silver for the things of silver, bronze for the things that are bronze, iron for the things that are iron, wood for the things of wood, onyx stones in the sets, glistening stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones and marble slabs in abundance. Moreover, because I have set my affections on the house of God, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the, for the holy house for my own special treasury of gold and silver. So David now is going to say what he gave, what the leaders gave, and then what the people gave. In verse 4, this is what David gave, 3,000 talents of gold. Now, I'm not going to go into measurements. I'd like you to do this on your own. But 3,000 talents of gold is 110 tons. Now, at the going rate of gold today, go home, figure out how many ounces are in a ton, then do the math. You can do it right on your phone. That's just the gold, let alone the silver of 7,000 talents, so almost double that, about 300 Tons. That just, you, you can't even wrap your head around that amount of money. We're talking of billions and billions and billions of dollars that David personally gave. <laughs> this isn't the money he got from the raids. This is his personal bank account. I don't know about you, but I love right now that our president doesn't take a salary and he gives it to charity. I'd love that because he doesn't need it. 
God has blessed him in his life, so therefore he doesn't need it. He just gives it away to charity. I love that. He says, the gold for the gold things, the silver for the silver things, and the all, all kinds of the work to be done by the hands, note with me, the craftsman, who then is willing to consecrate himself to the Lord this day? I love the question of David. Listen, I'm giving to the house of the Lord. This is going to be this wonderful thing. But who also will concentrate, consecrate himself for the Lord? So then he says to the leaders, the leaders of the father's houses, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the captains of the thousands and hundreds with the officers over the king's work. Notice, they offered willingly and they gave for the work of the house 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze and 100,000 talents of iron. And moreover, they gave precious stones from the treasury of the house of the Lord into the hands of Jehiel the Gershonite. And then the people rejoiced, for they had offered willingly because with a, with a loyal heart, they also gave and offered willingly to the Lord. And King David also rejoiced. So you have the leader, King David. You have then the, the men under him. So you have the king, the leader, and then the people all giving to the work of the Lord. And by the way, it doesn't stop there because once you build the building, you have to continue to fund the building. Yeah, the power, the, the lambs, the wood, the salt, all of that comes into the treasury year by year. So it will operate as well as the priest, remember, who don't have land theirself, but must be taken care of by the people. Therefore, David blessed the Lord before all the assembly, verse 10. And David said, blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, of our fathers forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is greatness, and the power, and the glory, and the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and is in the earth is whose? Yours. <laughs> Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all, and in your hand is power and might, and in your hand is to make great and give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you, and we praise your glorious name. But who am I, and who are my people, that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all these things come from you, and your own we have given it back to you. Please know with me what David says there. He says, Lord, who are we? You've given us all of this, and then you let us participate in the things of the kingdom of God. I love God's math. God's math is, here it is. Use it for yourself as well as the kingdom of God, and watch how your life is richly blessed because of that. He says, for we are aliens and pilgrims before you, as were our fathers, our days on earth are but a shadow and without hope. Please know with me that he says we are aliens and a pilgrims. A pilgrim 
is somebody who knows where they're going, but they're not yet at their destination. Hopefully you know where you are headed, and that is in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you did not listen to Sunday's message about Lazarus and the rich man and about hell, you might want to listen to that. Because you don't want to be going there, you want to be with the Lord. Verse 16, O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build for you a house and for your holy name is from your hand and it is all your own anyway. I know also, my God, that you test the hearts and have pleasure in, in uprightness. And as for me, the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered these things now with, what does it say? With joy. Um, you can give to the Lord without joy. That we get to do this. That we could, <laughs> behind this door, <clears throat> don't ever go in there. <laughs> no, behind this door is a ton of sound equipment. And there's a pastor that I know up in Rock Hill that uh, is ministering to, with a church down in Haiti. And uh, the other week I asked him, hey, listen, do you need anything or resources or anything? Could you ask the pastor? And I thought to myself, hey, we got a room full of old sound equipment and stuff that we're not using, stuff that's very good, would be able to help this. So send him that text. And uh, he says, okay, I'll ask the pastor. Pastor comes back and says, we've been praying for that for weeks, that someone would give us equipment. So right behind that store, we have a stack of equipment ready to go. It's going to Haiti. Okay, why is that important? Because if you give to Calvary Chapel, Myrtle Beach, and we bought that equipment at some point, and now that equipment goes to Haiti and people get saved, it's on your account. Blow your mind. God's math is awesome that we get to be a part of that, and that's joyful. When I go and speak to other pastors around the world, I love to see their faces and the joy because I'm teaching them the Bible, something that even pastors around the world have never heard before. That may be a shock. But through the Bible, teaching is not around the world. It just isn't. And so I, I, I'm... Right here with David. It's a joyful thing. He said, I've seen your people who are now in your presence and how they've offered willing to you. Now, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the intent and thought of your heart, of your people, and fix their heart towards you. And give my son Solomon a loyal heart to keep your commandments, your testimonies, your statutes, to do all these things and to build the temple for which I have made, for, uh, made provision. And then David said to all the assembly, Now bless the Lord your God. And so the assembly, can you hear this? Two million plus people, bless the Lord God of their fathers. They bowed their heads, prostrated themselves. That means they laid down before the Lord and the king. And they made a sacrifice to the Lord an offering of burnt offering to the Lord on the next day. Okay, a burnt offering is fully consumed. This isn't the peace offering that's barbecue. This is, this is the burnt, hence burnt, it all burnt up. Let's see what they gave. On the next day, they give a thousand bulls, a thousand rams, a thousand lambs, and with their drink offering 
and sacrifices in abundance to all the Lord. Huge. Lord, whatever we have is all yours. And so they ate and drank before the Lord with great gladness on that day. So listen, a burnt offering is what they did, fully consumed. That means it says if they ate and drank, they had other barbecue going on on this side. Everybody got that? So it doesn't even say how many animals they used for the food. It just says that that was the burnt offering. And so now they're all having barbecue together. They ate and drank before the Lord with great gladness on that day. And they made Solomon the son of King David the second time and anointed him before the Lord to be their leader. And notice Zadok the priest. And then Solomon sat on the throne of the Lord God as king instead of David his father and prospered and all of Israel obeyed him. So there was a time in which Solomon is on the throne and David is still alive. But in a second, David will go home to be with his Lord. And all the leaders and the mighty men and all their sons of King David submitted themselves to King Solomon. And so the Lord exalted Solomon exceedingly in the sight of all of Israel and bestowed upon him such royal majesty that had not been sin been on any king before him in Israel. Thus, verse 26, David the son of Jesse reigned over all of Israel, and this tells us his reign. And the period that he reigned over Israel was 40 years. Seven years he reigned in Hebron, and 33 years he reigned in Jerusalem. And so he died in a good old age, full of days and rich in honor. Who doesn't want to go out that way? Doesn't that sound wonderful? Like, I've served the Lord, I've done it all. Even though David had his failures, even though David had sinned, and yet here, remember, this is on the other side of the, of the exile. This is like looking at Hebrews 11 through the lens of the chronicler. It says that he died of a good old age, full of days and rich in honor, and Solomon his son reigned in his stead. Now the acts of King David, the first and the last, indeed, are they not written in the book of Samuel, the seer, in the book of Nathan, the prophet, that means the kings, in the book of Gad, the seer. And with all his reign and his might and the events that happened to him to Israel and to all the kingdoms of the land. The life of David, now next week we'll get into, uh, Lord willing, the life of Solomon. We'll start to see his reign. We'll start to see what God is doing through him. But through the life of David is really a man that, again, a man after God's own heart, who had done wonderful, great things preparing the way for his son, setting up his son to be prosperous, full of failures, but full of men all around him like Nathan, even Joab, Abiathar and Zadok and Benaniah, the guy that took out a couple of thousand men on his own had all these mighty men around him. David drew people to himself because he was a common man. He wasn't elevated in his own eyes. King David, the life of King David. Well, again, read ahead 
Lord willing, next week we'll get into some of the life of King Solomon and what it looks like to be king at his age and what to pray for at the beginning of his reign. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word and Lord for the life of King David and the reign of Judah that would come, that Lord, you would be and come from that line of Judah, the lion of the tribe of Judah, our King Jesus coming again, first as the lamb and next as the lion. And so Lord, we thank you for our time together today. And we thank you, Lord, that you are a God of order and that you set all of these plans in motion for King David and ultimately to King Solomon. And so, Lord, thank you again. And we, Lord, we just pray for this equipment that's going to Haiti. Lord, that you would just bless the church that's going to use it. And, Lord, bless those who will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus by that equipment. Thank you, Lord, that we could be a part of the kingdom of God in so many different countries around the world. In Jesus' name, amen.